Welcome to Good Setters Podcast, where we meet some of the most interesting people on the planet that get good stuff done. So sit back and relax, grab an herbal tea as we talk faith, family, and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Good Setters Podcast. I'm very excited because today uh, I get to interview my most beautiful person in my life, my wife of 28 years, and we're going to talk about power couples and some other things that uh, we come up with. That's right. It just kind of comes out. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good, baby. How about you? Good. Good. So how was your day? It was a good one. It was busy, but I was all about getting good stuff done. Tell me about it. What are you, what are you doing? What kind of good stuff are you getting done? Well, today, my world, uh, my hat that I wore was an oncology nurse um, at a local clinic and just, um, you know, had a great day of taking care of patients that find themselves back in the infusion room. And uh, one in particular was just a real blessing to me, just getting to hear her story of um, how she um, came to be a breast cancer patient and will be a breast cancer survivor. Um, and it's, it's October, so it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's very important to go out and make sure if you were of the proper age, you know, that screenings say you need to be having your mammograms, that you get them done. It doesn't matter if you have a family history any longer. Cancer does what it wants to do. So, um, you know, do she had found it herself, which is just really remarkable to me that, you know, the doctors say we need to do screenings, self-screenings every, every month. And she pretty much probably saved her life because she found it herself. So wow. uh, it was a great day. How about you? Uh, that's a great story. You know, um, my day was good. Uh, I, I, I remember a story yesterday was I got to the church. It was yesterday. It was Sunday and got to the church and, and popped my head in one of our older singles classes. And uh, uh, Betty Ann was yeah, there. Yeah. And audience, you don't know who Betty Ann is, but she's just a, an awesome, uh-huh. awesome woman. And she commented on a Facebook post uh-huh. that you had posted about, you know, coming into your life 32 years ago or whatever. And people thought it was our anniversary. Right. So we're in October, but that's not our anniversary month. Our anniversary month is May, uh-huh. but that was the first, uh, day, well, actually probably the first week that we started dating Correct. was in October of 1985. So I was telling her the story, Yeah. you know, uh, you know, technically no, it's, we've been, we've been married for 28 years, but we knew each other, but I even knew her before that. And she was just amazed yeah. that, that number one, we were so young when we got married and, and two, kind of the story we've heard all of our lives mm-hmm. that we're still together and we're still making this thing work. Mm-hmm. So, and we are a power couple in the sense that we, we, we do life together, whatever it is, right? whether it's entertaining, whether it's going to church and serving, there's always, it's always Darren and Julie mm-hmm. and trust me, you know, uh, it, it is buy one, get one you know, <laughs> with, you know, I'm on staff at a church and it, it definitely is buy one, get one. You know, uh, they, they get the honor and the blessing of 
of your service uh, to, to God. But it's not always been easy. And, and when you tell those fairy tale stories, you don't, you don't want to sugarcoat it and you don't want to say, Hey, this, this road's been easy. I mean, we've had our struggles just like every other couple. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, I've definitely always said that marriage is not supposed to be a walk in the park. You know, there are days where it, you are, you know, skipping and holding hands and there's nothing but beautiful bluebirds, you know, tweeting and gorgeous. That's 99% of the time. Correct. You know, <laughs> um, flowers everywhere, tulips, of course. Um, so I love tulips. Um, but what marriage is intended to be is glorifying God with the life that you live together and that you lead together um, in an effort to bring others to an understanding of who Jesus is and what he has created. Yeah. You know, and and it was no mistake that Jesus used the analogy of of the bride and the groom, you know, uh, with, with Jesus and and the bride of Christ, which is the church. So he, he used that, that, uh, that marriage analogy, um, which is so important. And we were listening to, I can't remember the, the talk, but I posted a Facebook video today about a guy who had a dad that was a, a third grade dropout. And he, he was a cook and most uh, things that he learned, the most valuable things certainly that he learned came from his dad, the, the third grade dropout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically he says, uh, he quoted, I guess, Aristotle, that you are, or Michelangelo wanted to, that you are a sum of your days and what you do every day. Mm-hmm. So applying that to marriage, you got to be intentional about trying to cultivate the relationship every day. So what are some strategies that you can look back that maybe we didn't do so well, but we but maybe we did well at certain times. What does that look like? I think to a great extent, you know, we could really reflect back on our early years of, you know, we were right out of the gates having, having children, you know, Katie was 10 months into our marriage and we had spent a good four years dating. um, And then we're just all of a sudden parents. We were, we were newlyweds and then parents and probably from the beginning of our relationship, communication, has been a huge part of our um, of our marriage. Um, I loved sitting down at the end of the day with you. Uh, I was blessed to be a stay-at-home mom, um, and you know, loved that time at home with with our children. And I loved to sit down and just have you tell me what happened during the course of your day. And maybe it was the fact that I was surrounded by two littles and the conversations weren't all that invigorating, you know, that toddlers have um, and preschoolers. But I just love to hear what you were involved with. And as a part of understanding what you were involved with, A, I knew how to pray for you better. I knew how to support you more. And I knew where our life was going. Right. Right. You know, and, um, and, um, you know, each, each kind of step of the way, I think mainly back to that time when, um, we were right before going to Houston in 97, I think. And the interesting thing is looking back at it now, you were asked by a different company in, oh, was it early 97? About the time Katie broke her arm. Yep. 
in early 1997, you were asked to move to Dallas, of all places, the irony. <laughs> <laughs> and for our listeners, we're in Dallas now. Yeah. There's, there's the irony. Yeah, the irony. And I just remember my heart having this absolute hands up, no, it's not the right time, felt the door, you know, wildly close, loudly close. And, um, you know, situations within, you were, you were teaching life groups, Sunday school, we really, really called it at that point, Sunday yeah. school. And we were involved with our young marrieds and the kids were settled in school. Everything just didn't feel like it was the right time yet. Yeah, you were like nursing school. Too. And I was, I was finishing my, I think I had just finished my last prerequisite and had applied to the program to start the fall of mm-hmm. 1997. You had to find that. I did, interestingly. So then fast forward six months later and a completely different um, opportunity arose for you with a different company and, you know, involved the other two men that you were working with. And it involved Houston, which, you know, if you know anything about our story is Houston was a pivotal point of change in all of our worlds. Yeah. All of them. And, you know, during that six month time frame, things had shifted a little bit. We had, we had, you know, had some changes within our youth, young married class. And, you know, so the opportunity to, to make a change made more sense. Right. Um, and on top of that, I had gotten accepted into the um, nursing program and I had gone to orientation and had literally been, uh, for all practical words, freaked out by the expectation that would be required for myself as a young mom, you know, stay at home, young mom, um, trying to support my husband in business and um, had started to second guess that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe the timing. The timing of it. Yeah. But sidebar, that was a program where you had several hundred applicants and only a limited, probably right around a hundred, if I remember correctly, that were actually accepted into the nursing program. So, you know, as you're going through life and, and you start to get a sense of, oh my gosh, maybe this is not what I'm supposed to do right now. Mm-hmm. E- even when, you know, you were accepted into the, into the program, which was an elite program, just based on the sheer numbers and your grades were stellar, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then to turn away from that, that's yeah. because you, you feel like that's what God wants you to do. Yeah. That's pretty it's pretty amazing if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely made somebody else very happy to take my spot. <laughs> but I really kind of likened it to the fact, you know, and I've always really drawn to Nehemiah of building the wall. And that knowing that my, my efforts, my heart, my purpose was in building up the children that God had given us. And um, supporting you and, and taking care of the home and the beauty of being a Proverbs 31 woman, the attempts at that every day, was, was more important than gaining a, a nursing degree, you know, at that point right. for our children. So, so um, for the audience, just kind of finish that story. Yeah. Fast forward to when you went back to school and... Yeah. Because you went on to get your degree. I did. And you're, I know, maybe biased, but you're pretty fantastic at your <laughs> profession. <laughs> well, you know, we, um, we moved, we did wind up moving to Houston, and it was an answer to prayer because of that heart cry and heart tug that I had that 
um, I was able to, you know, put that on the, on the shelf, on the table, so to speak, focus on the things that really matter, continue building the wall that was before me. Um, and, you know, continue to be a stay-at-home mom, did some other odd type of jobs along the way that have helped mold and shape me into... <laughs> you, were, you were a stretch and grow or something. I was, but I remember I also was an aerobics instructor before we left Tampa. Yeah, 120 beats per second. I love me some step, which yeah, is not yeah. done any longer. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so um, yeah, we, we moved to Houston. We had a great, a great um, time there for sure. We were there for five and a half, six years. That's um, where I met Pastor Doug. That's right. Lots of things were important, hugely important within our world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then, then God brought us to a um, place of bringing your music ministry into more of the foreground and um, we moved back to our home state of Florida and uh, started to have a ministry that was, you know, full-time uh, music. And Well, I had a, a, a whole garage full of CDs to tell you how that went. Oh, I think you probably have about 700 left. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, you know, and, and the kids continued to grow and, you know, finish high school and towards the end of Katie's junior year, it was apparent that, hmm, how much longer am I going to put this on the shelf? Maybe it's time to pick it up. And I fully anticipated that those prerequisites would be completely no longer good, which didn't thrill me too much to have to take those again. And to my surprise, they were still good. So yeah. So you had what, how many classes did you have? You had to do a few. I had to do microbiology one and anatomy two, which anatomy one was in 19, uh, what, 94, 95, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, Completed those in a semester, you know, got A's in both of those applied and was accepted and started in, um, was that January of 2010? Yeah. And Katie was probably towards the end of her first year at UCF, coming back home to go to USF and was engaged to James, which was her high school sweetheart. And of course, she's still married to him. Um, so circling back, you know, it was something that I, I knew in my heart, I always wanted to be a nurse. You know, I just, um, I love the teaching aspect of it, the one-on-one. I love relationships and getting to hear people's stories, um, you know, and back, you know, what was it in, in Houston, we, I was a part of uh, Southern Living at Home, which is an old, no longer around uh, direct sale, direct sales um, association organization. And you remember I would come home and I would say, oh my gosh, I met the coolest people. Oh, let me tell you about this lady. Mm-hmm. And, and you just wanted to know how much I made that night. Right. Showing in my Jerry. <laughs> Showing in my Julie. And I just, I loved the relationship part of that. Um, so that's really one of the things that I love the most about being a nurse. Well, even the story you told today about how somebody was not positive about getting a procedure done. I don't want to violate any HIPAA laws here, but they were anxious about getting a shot. 
And they, you know, you're like, no, you're, you're, you're going to be fine. We have this numbing gel on there and, yeah. and you'll just feel the pressure. Yeah. So take a deep breath and here we go. We're going to get through it. So, you, you know, you really, one of your, one of your gifts is, is being nurturing and tough all at the same time. And, and when you're dealing with cancer, cancer, let's just say, uh, cancer sucks. Absolutely. It's just terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to live today like there's no tomorrow yeah. when you have cancer. Mm-hmm. So let's make today the best we can. But you're that kind of inspiration to your your patients, mm-hmm. you know, and that that is that is definitely uh, a ministry. So I, I always tell people that she just, you know, she she bosses you around and <laughs> has a smile, and you, you just feel really good about doing what she says. <laughs> I can't explain it. It's a gift. I wish I had that gift. I don't. Oh, I wish I did. Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit, and you know, I think one of the things we've always done well is is being intentional. We all have always, forever, used the metaphor of a garden. Mm-hmm. We had tended to our garden, mm-hmm. and I know. Trust me, I've got a, a big lawn. You know, in the front, I've got beds. My buddy helped me. Uh, you know, I let him go too long with weeds and it was overgrown and we had old rose bushes there. And I remember we had, a, you know, plywood, we would, you know, big piece of plywood and we would just, you know, press the, the rose bush, you know, so we get to the root ball. Of yeah. it. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work. Yeah. And, and I, and I think if I would have only maintained it, and done a little bit of work on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. You know, I'll go out there now and I'll pull a weed here. I'll pull a weed there. Our backyard, we've got a lot of concrete, but a lot of opportunities for weeds to grow. But I spray every week now. I spray Roundup and sorry for all you, um, what do you call Glyphosate. Uh, no, what is it called? Tree huggers? No, not tree huggers. Don't offend our audience. Um, Organic. You can go organic. Correct. Uh, well, I tried that. I, I tried the orange oil and it didn't work. Well, we're going to try not to lick the uh, concrete. We're not. We're not going to. Not going to do that. <laughs> anyway, obviously, you know, it's what can we do daily? Even if it's a, a, a few a few things here and there to tend yeah. to this garden of marriage. This uh, because if you do that, then you you prevent weeds from coming in and trying to choke, choke out your, your, your mental attitudes, your emotional, mm-hmm. your physical intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, your spiritual life. The beauty that is a garden, really. Yeah. And the enjoyment. I mean, cause I, I wasn't here while you and said friend were putting plywood to a rose bush. Um, but I can imagine that that is not easy. It's not fun. And once you've got everything in line, it is more enjoyable for you to go out there and take a plastic bag and pick up weeds. Right. How much more enjoyable is that as opposed to being like overwhelmed with the fact that look at all this work I've got to do. Right. Yeah. And, and it costs us in a lot of ways. It sure. costs a lot of time, yeah. uh, exertion. Yeah. It costs money, yeah. you know, letting that, you know, and all those things apply to, to relationship. And, and I would say that what we have to do as, and, and, and I'm talking to the guys now, what we have to do as guys 
is we have to find out how our women tick. What are those things that, um, you know, uh, fill up your wife's love tank mm-hmm. and without getting too, you know, you know, corny. But, but the fact is, if those conversations at the end of the day, a lot of us guys are like, eh, just give me ESPN and I'm going to sit and watch TV and I don't really feel like talking. In fact, I've been talking all day right. to employees or to your boss. I've, I've been doing reports. I've been doing sales presentations. And, but you got to understand that emotionally, your wife wants to sit down and, and totally debrief with you and mm-hmm. have some input. And the, the dual blessing of that, number one, is it filled up your love tank, which ain't so bad in the bedroom, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but the other thing that it did was there was a lot of value that I, I got by, by being able to share my burdens, share my problems. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times together we created solutions. Right. So yeah, there's not- a lot of books out that you can read, like His Needs, Her Needs, right. those things where you identify what those emotional needs are. But let me tell you, if, if, you, if you neglect the garden, those weeds are going to choke out your relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause God created a woman to be a helpmate for man and, you know, having the opportunity to be able to have an input with an opinion or some thoughts or different creative ways that you perceive a, a situation um, is valuable in any situation, right? You think about um, how women have turned situations um probably many times presidents that have leaned heavily upon their the um, opinions and understanding of what their wives had to say mm-hmm. over over the ages it it's valuable and 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 more so on the other side too i want to know what you think about situations you know if i come to you with a problem of course the first response generally is you want to try to fix it mm-hmm. But the value is in me being able to get it off my chest, you know, have a moment of, of you just exhaustion with the, with the emotion, maybe a cry. It's generally not what I would do, but, you know, maybe a cry or two or, or some, I don't know, sweet yelling or something. I don't know. But it gives us a chance to just really um, get it out and not keep emotions pent up inside because God has allowed us an opportunity to, you know, it's just the, the cathartic effect of laying it at his feet, you know, and a part of every day living a life where we are laying our burdens at the foot of the cross. At the same time, we are joining with our spouse and we are, we are laying those burdens together. Yeah. Well, and, and that kind of brings me to the next point is that man and woman inside of marriage have equal value, but very different roles. And in a society who kind of balks at the whole complementarian idea mm-hmm. of no, the, the, the wife fulfills this role, the man fulfills this role, right. both equally as valuable but, but both very different. We live in an egalitarian society of where, oh no, male and female are the same. In fact, if you're a male, you can be a female if you want yeah. and be the same, but you're not, mm-hmm. you're not the same. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's, 
that complementarian role is one of the keys that we've always kind of embraced yeah. in our marriage. It's it's like we we know there's a, a difference, right. uh, you know, in in what we're supposed to do, and we embrace that. Mm-hmm. And, and find peace and, and happiness in that, actually. Yeah. yeah. I think we each stage of our life, you know, when the kids were younger and you were working two, three jobs and, and um, at some certain points along the way, taking classes, going to school, you know, picking up kids from school, taking them to baseball, softball, whatever. We were living that world of craziness together mm-hmm. as a team. And it wasn't, oh, well, I'm not going to give you this because I've done this, 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 and this. Right. And it was never about that. It was, it was you know, being understanding of different um, struggles within the day and got, getting done what needed to get done. Kind of like a team. Kind of like a know? team. I mowed the lawn, so therefore you'll be cooking me dinner tonight. Yes. We, we don't do that. Well, I was never going to mow the lawns. So. <laughs> and I like to cook, so there you go. You know, it's interesting, too, that um, when things are going really well in a relationship, we have to be careful not not to make that relationship an idol. Sure. And even how, how sweet and amazing it is, we, we can never let that be our God, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and above our relationship, you know, with, with God. Absolutely. Because then it becomes unhealthy. And I think a lot of times... We do that as parents. Mm-hmm. Yep. We do that as grandparents. Mm-hmm. Now that we're grandparents, grandparent three. Almost three. Well, that thing's growing sure. in the womb, so I count it. <laughs> so we've got three granddaughters. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that that is very important to make sure that we don't we don't try to have ownership over our kids, yeah. our grandkids, and we release them kind of, right? That's yeah. hard to do. It is. I, I mean, you know, we slowly release our children as we're, as we're raising them, and that's just a gentle progression. But then you know, all of a sudden you have these amazing grandchildren that come into your world that, you know, you have less control over, mm-hmm. but you have influence on, right? but less control. Yeah. So even more of a reason to be on our knees, praying that God would protect them, um, that at the right time that they would they would have hearts that were tender and ready for um, you know them to understand how much God loves them, um, and that they would be used mightily by Him. Right. I remember talking to my grandfather over the phone. We were in our first house, and this was my my paternal grandfather. At the Hermitage? At Pearson. No, we were at uh, the State Ah. We had that awesome green kitchen. Yeah, and the orange carpet. And the orange carpet and the master bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then there was brown kind of, everywhere else. It was kind of shaggy. <laughs> it was fantastic, actually. Late 80s. You know, and I remember my grandfather, Ed Pearson. Ellis Edward was his name. Mm-hmm. And he just said, I want to let you know proud of you I love that you're going to church and just live for the Lord and just know that that you know your mama and I pray for you all the time yeah. you know yeah. and it you know those that's the legacy that we have to live 
for our kids and, and it's not convenient, yeah. you know, yeah. but they, they live for their, their, their kids and their grandkids yeah. and, and eventually the, the great grandkids as well. Right. You know, I mean, Katie and Zach didn't, didn't they get little uh, T-bills? Yeah, yeah, little, yeah, uh, yeah, those? yeah, that's right. They did do that every, every birthday. You know, it, it's just, I, I, in a lot of ways, it was the greatest generation ever. Yeah. You know, but that's the legacy building stuff that now that I'm almost 50, I turned 40. Listen, exactly. Okay. I'm six months older than you. So okay, just stop saying Almost that. 50 is, is. Two and a half years from I, now. I can't say, well, I'm just over 40. Well, I'm 40, almost 48. That, that would be disingenuous to say, I'm just over 40. You realize you've, I, I, you've been I, I, calling us midlife for, you know, 10 years. I figured not, that not been okay the with Lord it. will let me live to, I'm about 100. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm at middle age now. If I live another 48 years, that's 96. I'll agree with that. And and I'll probably be 100. Think about all the technology, though. That's, that's true. Happen. That's true. Between now and, and, and 20 years when I'm, I'm ready to think about not working anymore. Will you be on your third or fourth bionic knee? Uh, I, hope I, I hope I have some Steve Austin eyes <laughs> is what I hope. You know, I can't even read my notes that I have in front of me right now. Who's Steve Austin? Readers. Steve Austin, the body. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Remember Lindsay Wagner? I do recall. Mm. Did you have a picture of her on your wall? No, that would be Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> what kind of team beat did you have on your wall? Andy Gibbs, Sean Cassidy. Andy Gibbs. And Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Who? Yeah, good, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, where were we? I have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> This, this is truly one of our, you, you have literally just, you know, entered into one of our nightly conversations. Uh-huh. This is kind of the way we roll. Yeah. This is how we do burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon, baby. This is how we roll. Okay. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think we kind of covered it kind of a, a broad topics from kids to, you know, tend to your garden. Mm-hmm. Don't make your kids or your or your spouse an idol. Mm-hmm. You know, put God first always. Take care of your physical, spiritual, emotional, mental garden. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that are that are awesomely important. You know, embrace the the complementarian ness of your relationship. You're not the same, but you're equal in value. Mm-hmm. That's definitely how you become a power couple.